Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey YA is sponsored by our mystery giveaway. Mystery thriller readers, this one is for you. We're giving away the 10 best mysteries and thrillers of the year so far to one lucky book riot reader or podcast listener. Prize pack includes Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, The Lost Man by Jane Harper, American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash bestmysteries to enter to win, and don't forget to leave your lights on. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book ride podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Saturday, August 31st, 2019, and this is our second take on this episode. The second take. Ugh. Which means that the jokes are already pre-scripted. Yes. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Yeah, unfortunately, there was a lot of clicking in the last episode. Uh, but right now, the only clicking you'll hear are the nails of my corgi as he wanders my kitchen, which he is, he is doing right now. <laughs> I feel like we haven't talked about our reading lives in forever. I know. I'm having a, a great reading experience right now because I just started digging into uh, Nick Stone's Jackpot, mm. which comes out in October. Um, and it's definitely my favorite book of hers. Like, I didn't think anything could top Dear Martin. Like, I love that novel. But that's it. You know, I'm I'm ruined. Uh, <laughs> it comes out in October and does this delightful thing in the narrative where you get the point of view from random inanimate objects as you're reading the novel. Like, talking directly to the reader about what the human narrator is doing. Um and the premise behind it is there's this teen who works at a local gas station uh, who thinks she might have sold a winning lottery ticket to this sweet old lady that might not remember buying it. Um, so she decides to enlist a friend or a pseudo friend who becomes a friend uh, to help track her down. Um, now, because it's a staggering amount of money, it's like $50 million or something like that. Um, she's hoping maybe the sweet lady will remember her and help her out and get her family out from, uh, you know, under everything they struggle um, to do to get by. And what's so funny about it is that, like, you know, like, uh, after, like, the second chapter or so, suddenly there's, like, an interstitial chapter with, like, the lottery ticket talking to the reader. And it's like, ah, eh, you know, she's she's off doing this, but, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm stuck in the pocket of this person. You know, <laughs> things things are really difficult for me, a lottery ticket. And it's just, it's just so funny. Um yeah, Nick Stone's really great at, like, experimenting with, uh, with her prose. I mean, we saw that a lot in Dear Martin, where it, like, shifted to, like, almost like a script and a play. And now here we have these inanimate objects talking. Um, I love it. I love that. I can't wait to read it. It's at the top of my TBR pile, but, like, now you're making me really want to read it right now. Yeah, like, I laughed a whole bunch. Um, it, was, it was great. I finished recently um, Rebel Girls by Elizabeth Keenan, which will be a really great read for people who liked Moxie. It does some similar things. It's a very feminist book set in the 90s, and it's about 
sort of uh, the right girl feminist movement um, and a bit more than that. But that's that's the vibe it gives off. And uh, I just also finished rereading a book from my childhood that I hated, um, which like, (laughs) (laughs) why would you do that to yourself? I am a guest on a podcast called the SSR Podcast, and I think my episode is in October sometime. But the whole premise is you reread a book from your childhood that you remember uh, liking and see how it holds up as an adult. And when... She pitched the ideas to me for books. I had this visceral reaction to one of the titles, and it was Homecoming by Cynthia Voigt, which in seventh grade, I spent a not insignificant amount of time talking about how much I hated the book. Um, (laughs) And so I was like, well, we can reread it, but, um, you know, heads up, I really didn't like it, and... Uh, Allie, the the podcast host, was like, well, I really liked it. We'll see how it goes. And spoiler alert, I was right in seventh grade and still right to this day. So that was like a 400-page slog. And uh, since this is our second take on the podcast, I guess I can say I also started a book I'm going to talk about later in the show called uh, The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by Ah, Jeanetta Patris, which is beautiful. I'm about halfway through and... Oh, I'll talk a little bit more about it later in the show. Yeah, I mean, our recording hiccup wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't so bad because <laughs> you mentioned that book, and right afterwards, I got like my book of the month club email, mm. uh, and that's one of the YA picks in the book of the month club yeah. email. So yeah, I I ordered it, and that'll be uh, that'll be on its way. Oh, it's beautiful. I, like I said, I'll I'll say more later. I don't want to like. Give it all away just yet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So uh, let's hit our first sponsor and then we'll dive right in. Our first sponsor, this book, is also sitting on my TBR and I almost took it off last night. Um, But I will be taking it off soon because it sounds amazing. It's Have a Little Faith in Me by Sonia Hartle. Saved meets To All the Boys I've Loved Before in this laugh-out-loud romantic comedy that takes a meaningful look at consent and what it means to give it. When Cece's born-again ex-boyfriend dumps her after they have sex, she follows him to Jesus camp in order to win him back. Problem? She knows nothing about Jesus. Another problem? Her ex has a new, true believer girlfriend. Scrambling to save face, Cece ropes her best friend Paul into faking a relationship. But as the deceptions stack up, Cece begins to wonder, is her ex actually worth fighting for? Honest, positive portrayals of female sexuality, consent, and friendships make this a great book for exploring feminist themes, especially in the wake of the Me Too movement. Um, This sounds amazing. It sounds hilarious. And I love the pitch brings up saved, which I don't think enough people people appreciate. (laughs) There's a lot of Kelly catnip in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. X has a new girlfriend. Fake dating. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah. That is uh Have a Little Faith in Me, so by Sonia Hartle. I know you introduced this before and this is your idea, so why don't you dive in with our first topic? Yeah, so for our first topic, um so I saw this coming up a lot. Uh, last week, or you know, by the time you listen to this, the week before, on the old Twitter.com, there was a lot of people in the YA community retweeting this thread, asking for recommendations about what to do your freshman year of college. Um, you know, what advice would you give someone going in? Uh, and it immediately got me thinking about taking freshman seminar my first year of college. It's this like class that introduces you to college life, gets you used to being away from home for the first time. Like you do icebreakers and you go on like field trips to the cafeteria, <laughs> very, very riveting stuff. And 
Uh, when I was a freshman, we read Notes from the Underground by <laughs> Dostoevsky in that class and The Periodic Table by uh, Primo Levi, which, you know, Periodic Table is awesome and brilliant, and I'm, like, very thankful I got to read that book. Um, but Dostoevsky, like, a book about an existential crisis when you're 17 or 18 and away from home for the first time? Uh, I don't know who made that syllabus, and I remember the semester afterwards... I got asked to be a, a, a peer mentor, which basically means you're uh, supervising another incoming class with a teacher, and you're basically there to, like, be a teacher's aide. Um, and that teacher chose Tuesdays with Maury for the <laughs> Get Used to College Life book, which is like, welcome to college, death comes for us all. <laughs> like, it's just not not uplifting books at all for freshman seminar um so i thought it might be fun to talk about you know ya that would have been great to get as like a freshman coming into college it's funny because so i i'm gonna bring this up a couple times i went to what i call a hippie college um in that it was very non-traditional in a lot of ways and we did not have a semester system. Instead, we took our classes one at a time. Uh, so, like, you would go to class for 18 days, and then you'd get four days off, and then you'd start your next class. So you'd get the whole semester in. Um, same amount of time that, like, a semester would take. It's just really condensed. And so I, I start by saying that because we did not have, like, a freshman seminar or anything like that. It's like you were just tossed to the, you know, to the sharks to figure it out. And... My English 101 class, so the basic English class, the basic class that everybody has to take regardless of if they uh, major in English or not, the topic was Kafka. So this is <laughs> this is my second class at school. My first one was an anthropology class. My second was this one, and it was Kafka. So just imagine all of these, you know, 17 and 18-year-olds trying to figure out what the heck Kafka is trying to say and also trying to write essays about it so that they can pass their most basic, like, freshman comp class. Um, I loved it, but also, like, I think that that experience made me the way I am in a lot of ways. Um, (laughs) You know, so I think about that a lot and think, like, yeah, that really did have an impact on me, but also, man, there would have been better books to have, like, a real impact on me at that time. You would think so. So we have Kafka, Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> books about dying. This is, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Do you, um, actually, I'll start this time. I think, I think last time I made you start. All, all the listeners are like, we didn't get to hear the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Eric and I did, so we'll keep referring to it. My first pick is We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. Uh, This is a book about a girl who is off at school. She is at a boarding school, and she's really, really lonely. Um, And for me, that was the thing as I read it as an adult that struck me hard, um, in part because when I was a freshman in college, I experienced that loneliness so hard, and I... um, It was just, it was a rough transition, and I felt like I was the only person who was that lonely, who felt that way, and I think had I read Marin's story, I would not have felt that way, Um, and I would have also seen that there are plenty of other people around who had those same feelings, but maybe just didn't um, experience it the same way I did, or were having it and not realizing that I was having it too, Um, and, and so I think that book would have been been so helpful for me um and that is we are okay by nina lacour yeah you know what i keep wondering if um 
Because remember uh, Nina Lacour's first book? What what is it? Um, Hold Still. Yeah. She made it into. Uh, she like kickstarted her own mm-hmm. movie adaptation of it. Uh, I, I keep waiting to find out if we're gonna get like more of those. You know, like come on, Nina, ma- make us some more uh, <laughs> some more movies out of your books. I would I would not. Yeah. Mind. Also, I really want to see that that kickstarted movie hit like Netflix or something, right? Like where where is it? I I mean I have it. Um Me too. <laughs> have you watched it yet? I feel bad. I haven't watched it yet. No, it's like sitting here. I need to need Yeah. To oh man. Maybe we need to have a watchathon. <gasps> That's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. Putting that in the putting a pin in that, if you will. So my next pick um is American Panda by Gloria Chow. Um I'm worried that American Panda is like I don't know, it's like the sleeper hot dog girl for me because <laughs> I bring it up a lot, but maybe not enough that people notice. Um, but it's about a teen girl who heads up to college and wrestles with issues surrounding identity and first love, um, you know, her, her family's expectations. Um, and it's just such a hilarious delight. Yeah, dealing with family expectation, you know, when you head off to college for the first time is... <laughs> I mean, it's super relatable for me. I was a theater major my first two years, you know, uh, and when I finally changed my major to, you know, being an English major and my dad was able to talk to me again. It was, it was good. You know, it was good for everybody. Um, and yeah, I just can't wait for her new book, um, Our Wayward Fate, uh, which comes out in October, um, which I'll probably talk about again later. So that's uh, the very funny American Panda by Gloria Chow. My next pick is The Revolution of Bertie Randolph by Brandy Colbert. Uh, this is a book about a girl who's always followed these like really straight and narrow sets of parameters for how she'll live her life. So she's she's not one to push many boundaries, and she always wants to please her parents. But the story starts when she does start to push some boundaries and starts to worry about how her parents are going to react, like how this will impact her sort of um, the perception of her in her family. And I related to Birdie a whole lot on this level because I set up all these like really strict expectations for myself in college that uh, I kind of let go of junior year, which coincided, you know, with turning 21 and discovering that, like, alcohol is a thing you can enjoy safely (laughs) or not. Well, I mean, it was safely, but, you know, college alcohol is is one, one way of experiencing it. And I think this book would have been really helpful for me to see somebody who was also struggling with, like, breaking away from this expectation that, uh, yes, is partially set because of their parents, but also set because of things that they believe about themselves that um, aren't necessarily true. And that is The Revolution of Bertie Randolph by Brandy Colbert. God, in that cover, I hope I know Brandy has it framed somewhere in her house because it is just, it is gorgeous. Um, so my next pick uh, is Roomies by Sarah Zar and Tara uh, Altabrando. Um, yeah, I love a good co-written YA, especially when two big people come together and deliver such a delightful and relatable surprise. Um, and in Roomies, we meet uh, two incoming freshmen who uh, end up meeting via email and start talking to one another about uh, just like the usual stuff you would discuss before moving into college, you know, like what kind of TV there's going to be and the mini fridge and, you know, what, what their summer is going to be like. And, you know, as things start to get a little bit closer uh, and their lives at home get a little more difficult, you know, they really start to bond, um, start to rely on one another. Uh, and it's just a really sweet YA contemporary about two people who haven't even met yet who are becoming really, really close. 
Um, and what I love about this so much, uh, and I'm just going to date myself so hard right now <laughs> as anyone who's listening, um, but when I was getting ready to go to college, the cool thing to do was to go on America Online, look for, <laughs> <laughs> look for a chat room with your college's name, and talk to people. And this is a thing that people did that doesn't exist anymore, so mm-hmm. sit down while Grandpa Eric tells you a story. <laughs> But yeah, I actually ended up meeting uh, one of my best college pals using one of those chat rooms, uh, and our dorm ended up being next to uh, one another. Like I was like three eleven, and she was like three oh nine. We showed up wearing matching newfound glory T-shirts so we could find each other. Uh, and just like three years ago, I was the officiant at her wedding. So you know, she ended up being a very, very good friend of mine that I met in this. Hey, will chat room before heading to college, and now I don't know. Yeah, that definitely doesn't exist anymore. I, I guess maybe people. Maybe find each other on like, like a hashtag or something. Or I mean, I know there's something that exists. It's just I won't know about it until my child is 18 and on his way to college. I guess. <laughs> it's funny because um, I did the same thing. I actually I found some of my fellow like freshmen at my school on AOL in a chat room, and one of the the kids that I'm still friends with now he. Uh, he lived like 30 minutes from me. So before school even started, we hung out and like went bowling and stuff, which oh, is that's amazing. Yeah. And then um, there's this other guy that I talked to on the phone all the time, which is also like bizarre to think about now. Like I didn't know this kid. We met in a chat room. We like have no context except we're going to go to the same school, but we talked on the phone all the time. Yeah. It's, it's weird to think about, but also worked. So my next pick is Wrecked. By Maria Pattian, which is a um, story about sexual assault. It takes place on a college campus its freshman year. But the story isn't told from the voice of the victim or the um, perpetrator. It's told from people who are close to them. So we get the victim's uh, roommate and then a friend of the guy who um, was involved. And it's this really fascinating look at how college campuses do and don't uh, support victims of sexual assault on campus and all the different ways that people try to be there for the victim or try to ensure justice is is served and all the ways that the college sort of um, doesn't necessarily step up to the plate here. Um, I particularly think this would have been helpful for me because there was this really huge scandal on my college campus my the end of my freshman year that I, I think about a lot um, because it really sort of shaped my thinking about big issues like sexual assault. So we, uh, I, I went to a hippie college and we did not have sororities and fraternities, but we had social groups, which were the same exact thing under a different name. And <laughs> there was this one social group that had this reputation and they had a reputation for a lot of like really not great things. And uh, so second semester freshman year, when I was pledging my own social group, this particular group got in trouble for these very sexually suggestive shirts that maybe implicated them in some less than savory acts with uh, other people on campus. And this turned into a really, really big campus-wide discussion and set of forums and workshops about sexual assault and safety on campus. Um, I was thinking about it I after I finished this book, I was thinking about that experience and like like you do, you Google it, right? I went to a teeny tiny college. I was like, who is going to remember this particular experience or like be thinking about it like I do? And somebody on Tumblr like wrote out the whole like blow by blow of what happened. 
So it was clearly one of those things that stuck with a lot of people. Um, and I think that this book would have given me more language to sort of understand and better contextualize what was going on. So I think I think it would be a really valuable read for anybody going to a college campus um, these days. And that is Wrecked by Maria Pattian. Yeah, I've got to pick that one up. Mm-hmm. So next on my list is Finding Felicity by Stacey Cade. Uh, speaking of things that aged me, <laughs> uh, this is a under-the-radar YA that I really liked. Um, it's about a teen who heads off to college who has uh, essentially been like living her life according to a quote-unquote show she discovered online called Felicity. Um, it's about this introverted girl trying to come out of a shell that she's sort of built up for herself uh, surrounding a, a TV show that she's been in love with. Um, and she's going to have to break through uh, while she's at college or her mom's going to make her come back home to deal with the fact that she's basically lived in a TV show um, all these many years. Yeah, it's a really sweet book that I wish more people had, had picked up. And I'd really love to see like more YA where, I don't know, teens are discovering <laughs> quote unquote old TV shows uh, and I don't know, constructing <laughs> something uh, around them. Uh, I have this. Is a funny little aside, Kelly, but um, my my Battle of the Bands anthology in in the next uh, two years mm-hmm. or so, one of the stories floated in by Saris Matana, who wrote uh, the Midnights, mm-hmm. and one of the characters makes like a a reference to the Postal Service and is like, <laughs> "Oh, I found this really old uh, oh, vinyl, no! <laughs> vinyl record from two thousand three, no, uh, called Give Up," and I was like, "Oh God, two thousand three, oh." I saw them in in concert in 2003 in yeah. college, you know. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. But you know what? Why is for the teens? Yep. I get oh, it, yeah. but you know. Oh man, every time. <laughs> <laughs> My uh next pick is Final Draft by Riley Redgate, which is about uh writing and it's about this girl who wants to be a writer. She has this great mentor teacher, then the mentor teacher leaves, and she gets this other writing teacher who is not the supportive person that the previous teacher was. And this particular teacher tells her that there's a certain way you have to live in order to be a good storyteller. And uh, this really, like, trips her up throughout the whole book, and she doesn't understand why she can't tap into creative writing without living some kind of, like, prescribed extraordinary life and this book really really hit home when I read it because I had this very experience in college um I as I said before I went to a hippie college so I wrote my own degree and the focus was sort of on creative writing and so I was going to do this senior thesis that was a a manuscript of of sorts and my advisor got really caught up and obsessed with having me talk about my process and like break down my process. Like what's my process? I have to have a process. And (laughs) frankly, I don't. Here I am many years later, I still don't have a writing process and like I'm doing all right. But I I got to believing that if I didn't have this process and didn't live this particular like artiste life and if I didn't, Mm. you know, and that's sort of what, what is at the heart of this book. And I think that that would have been so helpful for me to realize, like, there is no one way to be creative. There's no one way to do it right. You just do it the way that comes naturally to you. You know, some people are going to, like, write when they had these extraordinary experiences. And other people are going to write about, like, whatever. And they got out of bed to do it, which is fine. And that's that's what this book sort of explores. Um, and that is Final Draft by Riley Redgate. Kelly, you know, I really hope you've, like, stretched your, like, petty muscles and <laughs> sent your books to this professor. <laughs> like... Oh, I have sent my college, 
my books, but like the English department doesn't care. The library has them though, so I oh, guess that's good. I guess that's nice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my next one is a uh, a non YA pick um, that I guess sometimes crosses over, but. Uh, probably really shouldn't um it's the magicians by lef grossman um is definitely not a ya novel um it's uh set at a college for magic and it's kind of like harry potter just with like sex drugs and way more whining <laughs> i mean it's almost like new adult harry potter like can, can i guess that's what it might be um but yes i love these books they're super fun and you know it, it has that, uh, that that coming of age situation there where you're you're in a new place for the first time you're uh coming into your own and in the case of these people it's just you know coming to their own means they have magic powers and are trying to figure out uh how to use them and potentially how to save the world uh using those magic powers and that's uh the magicians the uh the series by lev grossman my next pick is Quiet by Susan Kane, and um, this is a YA podcast, so obviously I'm talking about the Young Readers edition, <laughs> but uh, I was really forced into extroversion in a way that made me not like school, and particularly class discussions for a long, long time, um, and, and there was this culture at my school where if you didn't have your door wide open, that you were just antisocial and didn't want to make friends. And frankly, like, I'm a person who needs my door closed to concentrate. And I'm a person who needs my door closed because sometimes I need just, like, alone time. And um, I never quite understood why that was or why I was made to feel like that was a bad thing uh, until I read this book. I read this book when the adult version came out and then reread it when the Young Readers edition came out. And it would have explained so much about why I couldn't get myself to participate in class discussions and yet could write these great papers or like really analyze the text um, when I sat down with it. And um, I think it would have changed my relationship with how those classes were structured and maybe have given me some more confidence about the way I participated in class. Um, I was a person who would just take the like not good grade in participating so that mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had to when I didn't have anything to say. Um, I feel like this would have been a nice tool in my belt to be like, honestly, you see that I clearly know what I'm talking about and doing, but like discussion just drains me rather than, you know, works for me. And that is Quiet by Susan Cain. Yeah, getting my grade, you know, docs for participation was a big uh, thing for me when it came to uh, gym. That is it. That's where. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I think we should stop the podcast here. That we can go home now. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yeah, let's dig into the next ad and and keep on going. So uh, yeah, so our next ad is uh, for The Crown of Coral and Pearl by Mara Rutherford. Uh, For generations, the princes of Alara have married the most beautiful maidens from the ocean village of Morania. But though every girl longs to be chosen as the next princess, the cost of becoming royalty is higher than any of them could ever imagine. For fans of Sarah J. Moss and Three Dark Crowns comes a new YA fantasy series intertwining politics, forbidden romance, and the power of sisterhood. And that's The Crown of Coral Pearl uh, by Mara Rutherford, which I have sitting on my desk right now. Um, yeah, I really love the cover. It looks, uh, I mean, comparing it to Three Dark Crowns, I'm going to want to read it. <laughs> so, Eric. Oh, yes? Let's talk about uh, our fall TBRs. Oh, my goodness. Fall is... Ugh. Fall is just out of control mm-hmm. <laughs> with, for YA, especially coming back from the summertime. You know, I feel like September is always a very exciting month in publishing because, like, 
Everyone at the publishing house is back from vacation. They're roaring to go with major book releases. Isn't there like one particular day this fall that's like absolutely wild? Yeah, like October 1st, I think it is. I was just reading down like the titles and they're all these like huge, huge blockbusters. So it'll be interesting. And then the week after that, October 8th, also huge, huge. So it's like we're going to get back to back like entirely new New York Times bestseller lists from just those two dates alone. So it'll be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So let's see. What do I have on my list? Um, so first up on my, my fall TBR is, uh, How to Be Remy Cameron by Julian Winters. Um, it's probably first on my pile of to be reads because I've had an arc of this, like, pretty much all summer. Um, it's just taken me a while to, to get through my, my stack. Um, but it's one of my most anticipated because, uh, not only did I love Julian Winters' first book, but this new one is about a transracial adoptee, which is what I am. Uh, and I'm really excited how he dives into this and explores it. Um, here's a little bit about the book from the, uh, the jacket copy. Um, everyone on campus knows Remy Cameron. Uh, he's the out and gay, super likable guy that people admire for his confidence. The only person who may not know him all that well, uh, is Remy himself. So when he's assigned to write an essay describing himself, he goes on a journey to reconcile the labels that people have attached to him and get to know the real Remy Cameron. Uh, and this one's out, uh, well, I mean, you're listening to this in September, so it's out this month. <laughs> Um, my first pick is the one that I alluded to earlier on, and that's The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by Junata Petrus. Um, I brought this up in an earlier episode and earlier, um, Junata has an essay in my next anthology, Body Talk, and, um, as soon as I read her writing on that essay, I was like, I know that this book is going to be beautiful, and I'm going to love it, and totally spot on. I'm about halfway through. Uh, this is her debut novel, and it's about two black girls, one who is from, uh, Trinidad and is sent to live with her father in Minneapolis, and one who is from Minneapolis and has always lived there. And it's about the two of them uh, getting to know one another when uh, something really tragic is happening in one of the characters' lives, and the other character is dealing with this huge life upheaval. Um, it's It's got a lot of things uh, I love. It's, you know, it's, it's a queer romance. It's two black girls falling in love with one another. And it's about the various ways to be black, um, both when you're American and when you're not American, uh, but are living in America. Uh, it's got this really great writing. It's got, um, it uses a dialect in it that gives it this just beautifully poetic rhyme and scheme to it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, see how this one goes. Uh, and that is The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by Junata Petrus. Yeah, and I'm excited to get it in my, my Book of the Month Club <laughs> shipments. Um, yeah, I mean, ugh, that, that service is so dangerous. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next pick is, uh, Verify by Joel Charbonneau. Um, it's kind of wild how, how prolific Joel Charbonneau is. I feel like every year she has like a new, like, blockbuster series mm-hmm. that gets announced. And I just love how she takes whatever's going on in the world and gives like a really neat, uh, dystopian take on it, like, uh, with need and social media back in 2015, I think. Um, and in the case of Verify, it's about a government that lies and pushes false history, uh, and all the people that just, well, I just, they just stand by and believe it. So here's a quick description of it. It's 
Mary Beckley lives in a world without lies. When she turns on the news, she hears only facts. When she swipes pages of her textbooks, she reads only the truth. But when she looks at the peaceful Chicago streets, she feels the pride everyone in the country feels uh, about the era of unprecedented hope and prosperity over which the government presides. But when her mother is killed, she suddenly asks questions that no one else seems to be asking. And when she tries to uncover... Uh, her mother's state of mind in her last few weeks, she finds herself drawn into a secret world full of facts she's never heard of and a history she didn't know existed. Uh, and it's all about her, you know, accepting the truth she's been taught uh, or what's really going on. And uh, yeah, I'm excited because her books are always super exciting. And that is uh, Verify by Joel Charbonneau comes out in September. My next pick is The Gracier by Kim Liggett. Yes. This is one of the buzziest books this year. Uh, and I've heard it's going to make up for the disappointment I had in Wilder Girls. <laughs> Sorry to everybody who loved it. I didn't, despite the fact it hit all my boxes, but I was told this one would. Um, it's being compared to uh, The Handmaid's Tale meets The Power, and it's about misogyny and the ways girls do and don't have power in our world. And on a totally superficial note, it is beautiful. Like, it is this beautiful, like, pale pink color. It's got a girl... Um, with this long braid on the front. Like, it's very, I don't know, it stands out on the shelf. I love it. Um, and I can't wait to read it. And that is The Gracier by Kim Liggett. And I love Kim Liggett's books. Like, I know I've harped about Blood and Salt probably too much on this podcast as, like, my favorite YA horror novel. And The Last Harvest is, like, one of the few rare, uh, like, fairly gory YA horror novels that I actually like. Is There's a, there's a, there's some blood in that book. Like the opening, <laughs> like the opening chapter, uh, one of the main characters uh, talks about running over, like I think it was a goat in a wheat thresher. So it's it's a it's an experience. Um, but yeah, her books are just so great. I'm uh, I'm excited for that one. So my next one is uh, Into the Crooked Place by Alexander Christo. Um, full disclosure, I got to beta read this one, and it stressed me out. It is this epic YA fantasy that, like, if you like Lee Bardugo's books or, like, Sabah Tahir's books, I think you'll be all about it. Um, an arc of it popped up this week, and, like, I DM'd the author, and I was like, hey, I got an early copy of your book. Um, it's stressing me out. I'm thinking about what happens to some of these characters. And she said, and I quote, don't stress, death is a natural part of life. <laughs> so if you're wondering just how messed up this action-packed fantasy novel is, I mean, there you go, right from the author. And it's a multi, uh, like, shifting POV cast. There's, like, five different main characters in it. Um, you know, some are magic, some are not, some are warriors, some are rulers. Um, and basically everything comes to a big head when a, a vial of dark magic uh, is being sold on the black market and releases a, a pretty messed up magical plague. Uh, and no one can trust one another. Everyone's wondering who released it. Um, and it's super exciting. I can't wait to have a finished copy. And this one comes out in, um, oh no, when's it come out? October, I believe. My next pick is Rules for Vanishing by Kate Alice Marshall. And I believe that I've talked about enjoying her first book once or twice. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so this book is told like a faux documentary Blair Witch style um, setup, and it's about Lucy Gallows, who is this alleged ghost living in the local woods, which opens up once a year for people to um, see if they can find this legend. Those who are brave try to find the ghost, and uh, this particular year, Sarah gets this mysterious text message that says she needs to play the game to find Lucy Gallows. 
Sarah believes that this is connected somehow to the disappearance of her sister exactly a year ago. So she takes a chance on the game and hopes that she'll be reunited with her sister. I have an arc of this after I said I wanted one on the show. One showed up for me. So um, I am super stoked to read this. And it is uh, Rules for Vanishing by Kate Alice Marshall. Yes, excellent. Uh, next up for me is Tarnished Are the Stars by Rosie Thor. And, yeah, you know, if you toss, like, a fantasy novel at me that makes me think about Timekeeper by Tara Sim, I'm just gonna need to read it immediately. <laughs> um, and in the case of this one, we have a teen who's, like, hustling around illegal technology to help save people's lives. And she has a clockwork heart. So there's a little bit of steampunk in here. There's a, uh, she, she has this name that she goes by. She calls herself the technician where she supplies all this technology to people. Uh, and there's a commissioner who is after her and sends uh, his son to go get her and to capture her. And this is how the son is going to earn respect. Um, but, you know, as the two of them are chasing one another and uh, an assassin gets roped into it, uh, the three of them maybe have to get together uh, because maybe there's a deadly epidemic sort of thing happening. So there's there's a lot of, like, Eric Catnip in here. There's steampunk. There's un- unlikely allyships and friends. There's maybe some sort of plague going on. So, yes, uh, <laughs> I need to read this one. And it is uh, uh, Tarnished Are the Stars by Rosie Thor. My next pick is Who Put This Song On by Morgan Parker. Uh, I love Morgan Parker's poetry, and so yeah. I'm really excited to read her first foray into YA. Uh, it's a fictionalized story based on her own experiences, and it follows a girl named Morgan who is trapped in this small, happy suburban community, and Morgan feels anything but those things. Um, so she's struggling with depression. She sees a therapist and she is really hoping to find the place she fits in. And so when she finally does uh, the stories about how her life becomes something altogether different. Um, this is another one that has like a really cool pink cover. Apparently that is like the color I'm going for this fall. And that is <laughs> Who Put This Song On by Morgan Parker. Nice. Uh, my next one is uh, The Good Luck Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. Mm. Speaking of gorgeous covers, mm-hmm. um, this is one I'm seeing hyped up on Twitter a lot, and I'm very excited about it. Um, here's the description from, from the jacket copy here. Uh, the country of Arqueta calls them Good Luck Girls, but they know their luck is anything but. Sold to a welcome house as children and branded with cursed markings, uh, they are trapped in a life they never would have chosen. There's Aster, the protector, Violet, the favorite, Tansy the medic, Mallow the fighter, and Clementine the catalyst. And when Clementine accidentally murders a man, the girls risk a dangerous escape and harrowing journey to find freedom, justice, and revenge in a country that wants them to have none of these things. Uh, pursued by Arcata's most vicious and powerful forces, both human and inhuman, their hope lies in a bedtime story passed from one good luck girl to another, uh, a story that only the youngest or most desperate uh, would even believe. Uh... And that is the good luck girls. I, I cannot wait to read this one. The line accidentally killed a man just did it for me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My next pick is 13 Doorways, Wolves Behind Them All by Laura Ruby, which is maybe mm-hmm. the best book title in a long time. I don't need to say much more other than it's a new Laura Ruby. But yeah. uh, this is a historical fantasy slash horror novel about two girls in Chicago, one who is alive, one who is not. And it's set right at the start of World War II. 
Uh, it's about Frankie and her sister Tori, who were abandoned and orphaned in the city, and Frankie has to find some reason for the two of them to continue to live. Um, that's about all I know about this book, and frankly, that's all I kind of want to know before I read it. Um, I just needed Laura Ruby's name on it to want to pick it yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, and I'm not a huge historical fiction fan. I, I like some of it. Um but I do like any historical fiction that's set in Chicago, so I'm really excited um, because this is a great time and great location for this particular uh, story to like check my historical fiction boxes. And that is 13 Doorways, Wolves Behind Them All by Laura Ruby. Such a good title. Um, and yeah, I just have a few rapid fire wrecks that I've talked about already, or I've talked about on here already, and that's, uh, again, Jackpot by Nick Stone, which comes out in October. Uh, I hope you get this message by Farah Nasrishi, which I talked about in a previous episode. Uh, aliens are coming to Earth to wipe us out because their grand experiment with us is over, and a few teens wrestle with basically what to do with their final days. It comes out in October, and it is so great. I really loved it. Um, and then Our Wayward Fate, which I mentioned earlier by Gloria Chow. Um, teen girl meets a boy who everyone says she quote-unquote belongs with. Uh, but as the two make fun of the situation, they grow a little bit closer. Uh, and apparently it's interlaced with bits of a love story from uh, 19th century China uh, with a retelling of the Chinese folktale The Butterfly Lovers. So, yeah, I'm excited with this one. I love it when books, uh, you know, experiment with structure like that. My last pick is... Wildlife Dispatches from a Childhood of Baboons and Button Downs by Keena Roberts. So this is uh, an adult memoir, or at least it's being published through an adult imprint. Um, this particular book I found in one of the uh, YA debut groups as one that's also being like cross-marketed as YA. So uh, I read the description. And I was like, I need this book today. It sounds awesome. Um, and I'm just going to read the description because it's easier than trying to like make up what it's about. Kena Roberts split her adolescence between the wilds of an island camp in Botswana and even more treacherous halls of an elite Philadelphia private school. In Africa, she slept in a tent, cooked over a campfire, and lived each day alongside the baboon colony her parents were studying. She could wield a spear as easily as a pencil, and it wasn't unusual to be chased by lions or elephants on any given day. But for the months of the year when her family lived in the United States, this brave kid from the bush was cowed by the far more treacherous landscape of the preppy private school social hierarchy. Uh, in Kina's funny, tender memoir, Wildlife, Africa bleeds into America and vice versa, each culture amplifying the other. By turns heartbreaking and hilarious, Wildlife is ultimately the story of a daring but sensitive young girl desperately trying to figure out if there's any place where she truly fits in. That one, I think, comes out the first week of November. And it is, oh, boy. It is Wildlife, Dispatches from a Childhood of Baboons and Button Downs by Kina Roberts. That sounds so good. It does. It does. I think, I think that's our show. All right. Before, before we sign off, if there are any things that you pick up because of our show, either this episode or any other episode, or there's a really bad joke in here that you want to call us out for, Eric and I would love <laughs> if you would um, just share it on an Instagram story and tag us. Like, we'd love to see it. And I don't know. I love when somebody tags and says that they picked up this book because they heard about it from us. Like, I'm pretty sure Eric has been responsible for half the people who've ever checked out Hot Dog Girl from the library of a bookstore. Ha ha ha. The agenda. <laughs> I mean, just judging by the things we get tagged in, Hot Dog Girl does real well. Um, yeah, and so we'd love to, to interact with you a little bit more there. And on that note, 
Thanks for tuning in this week. You can leave feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. And when you do that, it helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram under a new name. That's Hey Kelly Jensen. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and on Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to y'all again in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.